Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, folks, and uh, happy Father's Day out there. Beautiful morning. If you haven't been outdoors yet, no hurry. It's a little cooler today, and you heard Patricia's forecast. Only 99 degrees, under 100. Okay, it might hit 100, but, you know, that's still pretty darn good compared to 112, 14. It is a beautiful day out there. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers, and and, uh you know, I hope some of you have as fathers as wonderful as mine. I'm sure in your mind you do, and grandparents as well. But anyway, beautiful morning out there. Welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. On a day we had a little rain last night. Yes, when I came in from Dallas on the airplane last night at 10 o'clock, it was actually below 80. It was 79 degrees, and uh, you know that uh, rain did clear up a lot of things, washed a lot of dust off. You know, we didn't have enough rain to really matter for the soil, but we did have enough that makes a little difference to get some of the dust off. The plants. Anyway, whatever your dreams for that perfect landscape, perfect garden, give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. You could tell us your best Father's Day story. And um, it's just a beautiful day out there considering what we've been through recently. But, you know, even better yet, we've got a pretty nice forecast. We've got, you know, clouds a couple, maybe four or five more days this week and perhaps a little more rain. And uh, monsoon season's wonderful for, for you know for us, but especially wonderful for our plants. Getting rid of the dust. I mean, even if we don't have enough rain to affect the aquifer, really water our plants. Getting the dust off our plants, washing away the mites and things, and that's just wonderful for them. And um, you know, we'll we'll take a hundred and five and sticky here for the plants' sake. You know, over a hundred and fifteen any day. Well, we've got these wide open phones. You know, we start off every week, and it's usually. In the beginning, it's not so busy. In the end, you know, we always are here with callers left on the air. So if you want to be in, if you've never called before, don't be shy. The number to call, 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We could talk about, you know, all kinds of different plants. We have such a beautiful selection here, you know, from our native Sonoran desert plants to tropical plants to plants that come from deserts throughout the world to all kinds of good food things. You know, we grow some of the best citrus and easiest citrus to grow, you know, anywhere in the the country, and we can grow stone fruits, which are starting to ripen now. A lot of different varieties of peaches that are still on the trees, and uh, apples are just coming around into season, so we talk about those kind of things. But, you know, most importantly, if you have something different or a fun idea, something different you've grown at home, a different style, a different way to grow things, we're all here to learn. You know, the host here has been uh, you know, growing plants with starting with my grandfather for a long time ago, you know, almost 60 years, but at any rate... You know, we started a long time ago growing plants at the nursery with my grandfather, who was a chef. And uh, Les Whitfield, my grandfather, uh, was one of those people that uh, cooking and plants were both great passions and w- with equal curiosity. You know, he, w- he would try and make all different kinds of special rep- recipes. He could never walk past a plate of food and not taste it. He wanted to see just how you seasoned yours. But his curiosity in growing plants was, was rivaling his passion for cooking. And, uh, you know, growing up with him as a young man... It was awfully fun watching watching him grow figs from cuttings and planting a thousand and have a thousand of them live, which we still don't do today. So there's a lot of different things to grow, a lot of ways to grow them. 
But, you know, our, our adventurous nature and our ability to, you know, basically explore, do different things in our garden really can make it fun. And, uh, you know, learning, we learn through failures in life, and uh, we certainly do that in our gardens as well. And so, you know, I've probably killed more plants than almost anyone listening to this program um, just because of that curiosity. Well, we still have three lines open. The number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Take our first caller this morning, Wes in Phoenix. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, although I hear something going on where I'm hearing the radio, but not you. Well, I, you, know, I, you, you sound clear on this end, Les, so if you can, if you can communicate. Okay, I'll yeah. talk, talk over it. Okay, um, sorry. I got a question about, uh, I have irrigation, and um, I want to, I bought some uh, Mexican primrose seeds mm-hmm. because I've seen some at other people's lawns where they come up once a year, so it's really pretty. When is the best time to throw those seeds out there in the front lawn? You know, I've never seen them from seed less. We usually plant them by plants, and they can be divided really easy. You know, so if you oh. came in and you bought some, like, little one-gallon or three-gallon or five-gallon Mexican primrose, you could take those things and chop them up into chunks and plant them if you want a whole bed under an area. And they're they're just beautiful. And you could do that. They'll, they'll work very well doing that now. You'll have to water them between irrigations this time of year, though. Um, so okay. it would be better to plant them back in, you know, March, and that way you wouldn't have to give them extra water. But if you want to go ahead and plant them right now and keep them watered, especially, like, on the south side of a tree— you know, where they get a little protection right now in the heat of the sun, in the hottest part of the summer, but full sun all winter. They are just a beautiful plant. And once established, uh, you know, they'll be there for a lifetime. Okay, cool. Well, mine is covered, but I've got a big uh, weeping, Chinese weeping willow mm-hmm. uh, elm. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. But, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, know, they're they're easy to plant by division. You know, you could plant the individual bigger plants, or you could just take them and divide them up. And if you plant the bigger plants, they're going to spread, too. You know, you can put them three or four feet apart and fill a whole nice bed in. All right. Thank you much. Thanks, Les. Happy Happy Father's Day. Day. You, too. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Oh, that leaves us with open lines again, folks. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Don't be shy out there this morning. Julia's back here smiling, waiting for the phones to ring. And uh, put her to work. She can't just do music, you know. She has to work on the phones as well. And it is a beautiful day, though, and a great time to get out, uh, you know, and plant desert trees. You know, if you, if you want some shade, if it's been a little hot, if, the, you know, the couple weeks of 112 or 14 uh, weren't your style, you know, you can certainly... Certainly plant desert trees and change things this time of year. It's the perfect time of year to plant mesquites and ironwoods and palaverdes, and uh, they'll grow fast and reward you with shade. And what's nice about a lot of our desert varieties here is that they're minimal water users when they're established and big. If you're going to plant a new one, you want to keep the watering pretty regular. But once they get to size, you know, big desert trees don't need much water. Now, if all this rain does not come to fruition, you know, if the if the next week or so when our humidity is going to come up and we have the chance to monsoons, if you don't get any rain, it would be a great time if you haven't watered your desert trees to get out and water them with one irrigation. One big deep irrigation this time of year uh, really helps older established desert trees. And uh, the monsoon, the humidity is going to help them as well. But a good deep irrigation right now will carry them for about a month. You know, if you can water a big mesquite tree or Palo Verde or Ironwood, if you can water it heavy once a month in the summertime, unless we're over 110, that will suffice in the 
tree will be happy. Now, if it um, gets to be 115 like it was a couple of August ago, you know, throw all caution to the wind and water more. But uh, for normal circumstances with a big desert tree, once a month right now makes a big difference. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Donovan a Goodyear. But after Donovan, we got open phones, folks. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Donovan. Good morning. Uh, got a question. I got a giant Palo Verde backyard and uh, got two areas of concern. One looks like slime flux mm-hmm. and the other one is like clear sap dripping down. It's not brown and foamy like the other one. Um, you know, Donovan, usually that's a sign that you're being attacked by flat-headed boars. Okay, or boring insects. And this is in a Palo Verde, not a mesquite, right? Right. Okay. So, you know, it's probably being attacked by flat-headed boars. And, and you know, if, if, if you got that much damage, really, really noticing it, um, you know, this would be a good time to be real proactive. The tree's natural defense is to drown them in sap. So what happens is it gets so hot like it's been the last couple of weeks that they don't produce enough sap to drown these insects. And as soon as they get in, they start making little holes, and then the sap starts to bleed. So what you would want to do is water them real heavy, and then you'd probably want to go ahead and treat them with intaminoclorapid. Uh, which is like bear systemic disease control or bear systemic insect control. And you would put that around the tree and water it in, and it goes up in the tree system and makes it toxic to the boars. But you want to be, you know, pretty quick on the draw with that because you want to catch them before they start to girdle branches and big branches start to die. Right. I think I noticed it like four days ago. It was the first time it ever started seeping anything. So, Well, and that's, you know, because of the hot weather we've had, and it probably hasn't had much water. Um, you know, that's that's the ideal thing is to water deep, and that'll probably cure it. But to be cautious, you probably would want to give it a dose of like the bare systemic uh, insect control. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Donovan. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll still have three lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for a new it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the shoes move. Little boy doing the man on the phone. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know. You know we'll have a good time then My son turned ten just the other day He said thanks for the ball Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me the throw? I said not today I got a lot to do He said that's okay And then he walked away But his smile never did He said I'm gonna be like him you know I'm gonna be like him And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blew up the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then 
Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. We do have a couple lines still available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Next up, we have Victoria and Gilbert. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, and happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Hey, listen, I had called you um, probably about two years ago in reference to, I have artificial um, grass all in my backyard, but I planted sod for my dog to consume and do whatever she he, she needed to do. <laughs> right. Well, I've, I've, I've done the Bermuda, I've done the rye, and now I'm into the season for putting the Bermuda in. And I have, like, dead grass. I've put the Bermuda seed in twice. I've raked it. I've done everything that it says on the on the uh, package. Victoria, how large is your area where you have your sod? Um, it's probably about... Five by seven. Okay. So what you want to do is just clean it up, go out and buy some rolls of new sod, and throw the sod in, and uh, just let it, you know, start from sod. Don't forget all the seed process. And, uh, it, <laughs> start from you know, scratch. And, okay. and even if you're going to change it every year, you know, five by seven is not going to cost you very much, and you'll always have really nice grass. The reason why it's in such poor shape now is because the ryegrass was left too long. But sometimes okay. with a small, useful portion like that, it might be more mm-hmm. practical just to change it once a year. So I would go out and put some new sod in right now. Keep it wet. It'll be real green and happy in a week or two. It'll mm-hmm. be right in the ground with this heat and uh, come right in. And then you can go ahead and overseed it. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, okay. then, then you can overseed it in September, okay? And then mm-hmm. and then next okay. year, about, you know, the first of, don't wait this long. You know, the first of, uh, <laughs> first of June, when it starts to look terrible, just rip it out and throw another patch of sod in. I'm on it. Okay, can I put the new sod on top of the old? Sure you can. Or not? Yeah, just, okay. just cut it as short as you can. If you have a weed, or just scalp it to the dirt. Throw your sod on there I and did. put water on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Victoria. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Debbie in Peoria. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. I have um, mealybugs, mm-hmm. and they're... I Googled them to find out they're mealybugs, but these little cotton little things are all over my yellow lantana. I mean, covered all the stems. So I Googled it to find out it was mealybugs, Mm -hmm. and I I cut all of the branches off. This is a 15-year-old lantana. It's probably, I don't know, maybe six feet by three, something. Yeah, I cut all the branches down to the stump. Okay. I saw the little babies crawling away, mm-hmm. and I saw the big mama down on the stump, and mm-hmm. weird. It looks like little yeah, a little fuzzy moving tip. Yeah, like fuzzy moving critters. Yep. Hair. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So then I got some um, neem. I didn't know if it was going to work or not, but that's all I had. Mm-hmm. And I sprayed the stump with that, and so now I have this stump. I don't know if I killed what was left on there. I don't know where they came from. Well, uh, you know, mealybugs are common, like in houseplants and things, but we don't see as many out in a lantana. But if you, if, if you know, if, you, if they are mealybugs, you know, the, the good way to kill them is probably with a real chemical. So, you know, the thing about neem oil is just trying to suffocate them, and that may right. work. But I, but I would probably, if you had some malathion around home or some seven, you know, spinosad, some kind of a real chemical, and, and just go ahead and spray them with that. You could also use a systemic, like intermittent chloropid, and use it in the plant, you know, right now to make the whole plant and the whole area kind of 
toxic to them because it's going to be a little while before they come back and bloom. And that's a systemic that goes into the plant system and makes the plant toxic to the, the mealybugs. It would probably work pretty well. Or you okay. might just rip you might just rip the lantana out, clean up the area, let it lay fallow for a month or two and start over. They're not expensive and you know you can yeah. put one in without a problem. Yeah, and dug it, dig it out of there, and just go on. I mean, culturally, for you know, if you're worried about using you know pesticides, um, that would be the best thing to do. Just dig the plant out and toss it, you know, because you've already got it cut down and cleaned up anyway. Oh, it's cut down to yeah. the nub. Yeah. Let let the ground set fallow, and if you really want to heat the ground up, take a piece of plastic and lay over that area, water uh-huh. the soil underneath, and put some rocks or something on it to hold the plastic down, and uh-huh. leave it for two or three weeks, and uh, it'll be solarized. So it'll get so hot under that plastic, it'll kill any insects. Insects that are there, especially mealybugs, and uh, oh. then just come back and replant. And you won't have to worry about it at all. Okay. So I also was, I was looking out um, at my plants this morning, and the, I have a sage, purple sage that came up from seed that's mm-hmm. now about three feet high. And right on the ends, I'm see, I'm paranoid now. <laughs> okay. Right on the ends of some of these bushes, I see this little white stuff. You know what? Take a picture and send it in to us, or I'll send it in to the USDA Cooperative, Cooperative Extension Service, either one of us, and okay. we can find out for sure what it is. You know, this time of year, there's not much that's going to pest-wise, other than white flies, and, you know, most things die when it's hot. Yeah. You know, and that's why we're more pest-free than many other places in the country, and especially hot and dry. Well, this gets... You know, the older I get, the less fun this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not good. I know, because I love gardening. Well, and then I go out there and I see all this stuff go, now what? You well, know? <laughs> you know what the thing about a lot of things are? A lot of things, you know, you don't have to treat. Um, you know, just because the heat takes care of them, things cycle in and out. You know, we have insects like thrip that are always present, but there's predators to eat them. You know, and there's a lot of predators. Nature has a wonderful way of balancing itself. You know, so, you know, like in our citrus groves, we only spray once a year, and we primarily do that to knock off the mites one time and to um, be able to have fruit that doesn't have as many scars on it. But what we find for, you know, ours is we spray it once a year with spinosad, which is an approved organic chemical, and then we wash everything off first before we spray. And kind of a trick with some of these sprays and different things that you won't see on the retail labels is they really like to be sprayed on with water with the pH that's going to be neutral or below. So you want to get your pH down below probably six, six and a half is the best. And then if you put a little bit of your neem oil or soap with it when you spray, that always works yeah. better too. So okay. there's other things that make a difference. But, you know, realistically, I grew up in a you know orchard with my grandfather over on Glendale Avenue, and we never sprayed once in my entire life. Seriously? Yeah, for anything ever. So what would happen, oh, I have another question too, it just came to me, but what would happen if I had not cut down, cut all this lantana down to the nubs? What would happen if I left all those guys grow? Well, with, me, with mealybugs, I've never seen a big problem with them outdoors. You know, huge problems in greenhouses, you know, and, and house plants, but it's outdoors, I've never seen them become a big problem. I should have taken a picture well, that's Before okay. You've already back. proved it back. But like I say, right now, if you want to either go out and, you know, solarize it, you know, kill everything yeah. that way, if you want to be organic or spray it with one good shot of chemical, you'll probably get rid of it. Okay. Okay. My other question is, um, oh, shoot. <laughs> Where did it go? Oh, on my, I have a lantana, another lantana in the front, and I get these little, little clumps. Um, they look like little baby cauliflower heads. Yeah, that that you want to spray with the spinosad. Okay, what that, is that? Is spinosad, that a fungus? It, it's, 
No, no, it's an insect that's in the end of them. But spin well, it, a, it turns brown. It right, yeah, round. it stunts the whole plant. So what you want to do is go by and pick up some spinosad, okay? And it yeah. comes, it's not sold by the name spinosad, but if you look at the active ingredient, uh, it'll be spinosad. And it's gotten more popular and it's safer. But if you'll spray those, but if you'll do what I just told you a minute ago, drop the pH and add some dish soap. When you spray, it'll work better and it'll work very well and clean them right up. Thanks for the call, Debbie. Have a nice weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Rosemary in uh, Northwest Phoenix. Hi, Rosemary. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Um, my problem is hibiscus. It's always been so easy to grow year-round, no problems, um, you know, few yellow leaves. But now it's like all yellow leaves. And falling off, and I've never had this problem. I looked on the internet and said, don't water too much if it's not a new plant. So I cut back on watering. So what's the problem? Well, it could, what it could should be, I do? You know, it could be that you're overwatering. Have you been fertilizing? Yes. Okay. So, how, how, Rosemary, Rosemary, how do you water? I've been watering it deeply twice a week. Okay. And that should be more so than adequate I, for this time of year. Okay. Should I do cut back to once a week or keep it twice a week? Well, where are you located? What what at cross streets? Thirty fifth and Thunderbird. Thirty fifth and Thunderbird. So you're going to have yeah. So you're going to have fairly heavy soil, um, but so realistically, you can water if it's an old hibiscus. Once a week should be fine. That's not going to hurt anything, but. You know, you could dig down and check the roots. So if you dig up some of the roots and you check the roots and see if the roots are healthy, okay? that If you if you dig down and you find roots on it that are mushy and soft, okay, uh-huh. what you want to do is treat it for fungus. And a good okay. fungicide that is called Monterey Disease Control. And Monterey, yep, I've got it. Monterey Disease Control is just a bacteria that eats fungus. But you could spray it on mm-hmm. the foliage and put it around the base of the plant and water it in. Um, you know, twice a week shouldn't be too much, but once a week should also be adequate. So, I, I, you know, you're okay. in there between once and twice a week this time of year should be fine. Yeah. Um, I've heard other people complaining about all the yellow leaves that they're getting more than ever. Well, so I, I, maybe I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen anything unusual. You know, and okay. I'm, I'm around the nurseries and, and deal with people all day long. It's my life. And okay, so then really, that's good. <laughs> so I don't think there's any special problem for your hibiscus. Good. But uh, then, okay. if, I'll tell you, then the other thing I would probably do right after that is go ahead and give it a light dose of foliar fertilizer. And you could do that with, um, you know, like miracle Grow or 20-20-20 or Super Bloom, any one of those. And just give yeah. it a light dose of fertilizer, like half of what you want to put for a normal application. And it could take that in very well. And with the more humid weather we've got, it's coming. It looks like it could really pop out and come back nice for you, Rosemary. Okay, we'll do that. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, it looks like Patricia slipped into the news booth. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Patricia Valencia, too. I mean, that's that's like a real citrus name. You know, I was, I was just out with Sprouts Family of Stores with a big citrus conference and things. So. Some oranges, the Valencia the oranges. Valencia oranges. And that, <laughs> you know what? They're still good this time of year. The other oranges are all done. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to find out what's happening from Patricia. In the meantime, we're going to come back with Barbara and Bree, and we've got one ringing. But then we have two open lines. The number to call, 602 277 KTAR. Okay, what's that? That's so good. Once I was a happy and I had a good wife. I had enough money to last me for life. 
the gal and we went on a spree. She taught me to smoke and drink whiskey. Cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women. They'll drive you crazy, they'll drive you insane. Cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women. They'll drive you crazy, they'll drive you insane. Hey, you guys play Tiger by the Tail? Please. Cigarettes is a plot. Beautiful Father's Day Sunday morning out here. The clouds are just special here in Sunny Slope. And I got to say, my father sang that song much better than than Buck Owens. Now, Buck Owens was a friend of mine a long time ago at uh, KNIX. He's still in the studio here in town. But, you know, okay. So, so, you know, everybody's got their daddy stories, but my father could sing, and that, he could sing that song very well. Anyway, back to the phones. Barbara and Surprise. Good morning, Barbara. Hi, um, I have a couple questions about a mesquite tree that just started growing in my yard from some seed that blew over. Mm-hmm. Um, how far away should it be from a sidewalk? And also, will it lose its leaves in the winter time? Well, Barbara, the real answer is we don't know on if it's going to lose its leaves or not because you know mesquite trees are like us; they can breed with any one of their friends, and uh, so they have all different kinds of genetics here in the valley. We have Chilean mesquites, we have native mesquites, we have Argentinian mesquites, Texas honey mesquites, and hybrids of the whole group. So you know it could be any one of those different types of mesquites. But uh, from distance from a sidewalk, I would say probably a minimum of six feet and at six feet you're going to have to prune it up so that it uh, develops a higher canopy so but someone could walk down the sidewalk you wouldn't want to let it grow right into the sidewalk so what would be a good tree for me to buy that's a shade tree but doesn't lose its leaves well every tree loses its leaves you can pick when Okay, so mesquites, uh, some mesquites, like we have one that we grow called an American mesquite. It's a cross. It's kind of like what I just described. It's a, it's a cross between a Chilean, an Argentinian, an Arizona, and a Texas honey. And when we patented it, we just named it American mesquite. But uh, that variety stays evergreen most winters. You know, if we have a hard freeze, it'll lose leaves. But it's going right, to right. drop flowers, and it's going to drop beans during the course of the year. And then if we have a hard freeze, it'll lose its leaves. We haven't had a hard freeze in years. Um and it'll lose all of its leaves. But that's very uncommon for mesquites. So a lot of mesquites, the native mesquite tends to be more dormant, more deciduous, and so does the Texas honey. But the Chilean's more evergreen, and this tree has kind of a mixed group of genes, so it, it does tend to stay more evergreen. But at any rate, you know, you can pick with trees, whether you go deciduous, trees like pistachios or, or Fantex ash and those kinds, that are deciduous, drop their leaves all at once in January, stay bare for about two and a half months and leaf back out. Or we can 
grow to trees that are, you know, evergreen like a ficus tree, which sheds a little bit constantly kind of all the time. Or if, if you want to look at like a desert tree like that, you could look at a Texas ebony, which stays evergreen all the time. So there's options there. There's live oak trees, which, you know, I just came from Dallas. We had a big sprout show in Dallas. And, uh, you know, they're magnificent there, you know. And the live oaks thrive and do very well here, too. And in Dallas, they lose their leaves, but here they'll stay pretty evergreen. You know, they drop most of their leaves when they're putting out the new growth in the spring. Um, yeah, I wanted a tree that didn't lose its leaves because it would remind me of Chicago in the cold snow. <laughs> well, <laughs> trust me, we're not in Chicago, kiddo. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so there's other acacias that stay evergreen year-round. There's a lot of options that will stay evergreen here. You know, okay. even, even like a fruitless olive, if you want a, a medium-sized tree, you know, the fruitless olives are beautiful, and uh, like a Swan Hill, and that makes Isn't it beautiful. Is that an allergy tree, though? No, the it's not. That, the, 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 actually, the, the Swan Hill olive is patented, and when it came out, it was basically developed and, and became popular because it didn't have the allergy. So, because it doesn't have the flower maturity, it doesn't produce the pollen like regular olive trees do, so you don't have the allergy issues with with the Swan Hill olive. Oh, that, and, that, and like For example, like in Las Vegas, the only two olives are allowed are Wilson I and Swan Hill. And, and here in the Valley, technically that's true too, though. We've got so many olives, I wouldn't be overly concerned if you wanted to plant one to grow fruit. But if you want an olive tree for their beautiful character and form, the Swan Hill is a great tree. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks, Barbara. Bye. Just just come out and see us. We'll show you all kinds of trees. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> all bye right, bye bye. Uh, Bree in the Santan Valley. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Um, so I have a few trees in my backyard, and I have, two of them are pistachio trees that mm-hmm. were planted at the exact same time uh, about three years ago. And one of them has taken beautifully. It's growing great, has great leaf coverage on it. Um, and the second one will not take root. The, it's got minimal leaves on it. The branches are practically naked. Um, and you can walk right over to it and you can shake it, Brilliant. move it around. I mean, if you were strong enough, you could probably just pop it right out of the are ground. The, are these red push pistache? You think maybe you got Chinese pistache? Um, I think they're red push. Okay, because the red push are usually pretty consistent, you know. Uh, but the Chinese pistache, because they're seed grown, um, there's a lot of genetic variation to it. Um, but you know, here's the thing: is it's not what you're going to do to wake a pistache up this time of year. You know, this time of year is kind of the heat. They kind of go semi-dormant, you know, where they just kind of quit growing here. And they'll grow maybe a little bit more in the monsoon season. Then they'll kick out and grow in the fall. Um so as far as, you know, and it's kind of like having children. They come in all different sizes and shapes and things. And um, so they can, they can be a little different. But genetically, if they're red push, they should be, you know, the same. And so they should grow similar. So then what we do is we look for, you know, difference in character. And as far as maybe the soil could be different. Maybe this one got planted too deep. Um, you know, there could be other issues. So I would start off by checking how deep it was planted. Make sure it wasn't planted too deep. So go from the trunk of the tree and dig down where you find what's called the root flare, and that's where the soil, where the roots come off the side of the trunk, and you want to have soil, you know, not really much more than an inch over the top of that. And if it got planted too deep, that could be a big problem for it, and that would cause it to stunt. Um, and how long do you say it's been in? About three years now. Yeah, but it's, it didn't die it either. So. No, yeah, it's just it's 
you know, it just, it never took. And I, my husband had read that, um, sometimes if you plant them, if you dig a round hole, mm-hmm. I don't know how much truth is in this, they basically get root ball. Uh, oh, mean root bound? No, I mean, when a, tree, yeah. when a tree becomes root bound is when it's grown too long in a small container in the root bound. You know, and, and if, you, if you really thought that was the case, if you bought a really big tree in a small container, what you would do is not this time of year, but in January, you would just cut straight down, cut from the trunk, just straight out, like in three big cuts, and cut down about 18 inches and make three vertical cuts that just go straight down. You could do it with just like a sharpshooter shovel, and that's going to cut okay. any of the circling roots that it might have. But but you know that's usually not too big of a problem with pistachio. You can you can dig down and see if the I would check the root flare first. Okay, does the sort do they seem okay. to drain the same in your soil? Does the water seem to go away the same? Yeah, I mean they're mm-hmm. only they're maybe ten feet apart. Mm-hmm. Well, so, the, I'll yeah. tell you what. The, then there's other really good news. That's probably too close to plant two pistachios anyway. You may only need kind one. Of, <laughs> kind of my thought too, but hey. <laughs> you know, I, I've okay. got them at home, and once they kick, and once they really, you know, kick in, we've got one that's been planted about three years that our goats ate one whole side of it off, and it kind of got uh for the first year and a half. But that tree's grown four or five feet this spring, and um, I would dig down, check and see if you've got anything you can notice as far as being planted too deep. Maybe throw a shot of gypsum on it if you could just pick up some gypsum, just a small bag, five pounds the gypsum would be great and uh and then pretty much you're going to wait for fall then you can feed it pretty heavy in september and see if you can pop a lot of new growth and get it to really wake up but with this heat it's probably if it's hurting it's not going to respond and grow fast no matter what you do this time of year okay okay good luck Bree. thank you so much you're welcome bye-bye uh dave and tempe good morning dave hey good morning how are you excellent sir Good. I'm going to put you on speed dial because I've been calling quite a bit lately. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago, um, we spoke, and based on your input, which I think was a good idea, I pulled a one of the fuchsia flowering bougainvilleas out of the ground because after the third try, it just wouldn't take. Mm-hmm. And I replaced it with a, uh, a shrub, a five-foot-tall growing shrub, yellow flowers, has kind of a bean pod type of... Yeah, probably Arizona yellow bells. Yeah, yeah, that might be what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, um, there seems to be a family of grasshoppers that have moved in on that plant, okay. little baby ones, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how to get rid of them. There's a product called BT, Bacillus thangensis. Okay, so is that really the only option? Is the Well, what's nice about the, BT, it's bacteria. And it's toxic to the caterpillars, or if a worm showed up, but nothing else. It's safe for okay, you. It's good. safe for all the environment, and it's a good thing to use. It's a naturally occurring bacteria, and uh, okay. but it's lethal to grasshoppers, which is a good thing. Okay, so that's I, th- that leads to another question, which is for that bougainvillea that I took out. I tried um, neem oil. Would that be an option, or should I just go straight to the BT? Well, no, neem oil is not going to work. I mean, BT okay. is BT is safer. It's easier to use, and it'll it'll kill grasshoppers. Neem oil, okay, neem oil. The problem with neem oil this time of year with our heat is when you get it on the foliage, it can burn the plants and do do a lot of damage. Okay. So, you know, we would never use an oil type spray this time of year when it's as hot. You know, it's just okay. far too hot. You know, in the winter time, it would be fine, but it still wouldn't kill the grasshoppers like the BT will, and the BT is safer. Okay. Okay. So then one more question on my Chinese elms. Mm -hmm. Anytime I cut them back, and I'm going to do that soon here just so we don't have any issues with the monsoon, there is a 
flurry of little suckers that start their way working up from six foot to the camp top of the canopy. Well, Dave, if, be... Dave, if you rip your clothes off, you know, at the beach, you're going to want to put something on so you don't burn. That's what the tree's doing. It's trying to protect itself. So when you're pruning okay. a deciduous tree like an elm this time of year, you know, it senses the fact that the sun's hitting the trunk and the buds on the trunk pop out to protect it from the sun. So what it tells you, Dave, is this isn't a good time to prune elm trees. You know, if you want to okay. prune elm trees, you want to do all your major pruning in the wintertime. And while you'll probably still get some more suckering after that, then you can let the tree fell in for a month or two and remove the suckers and you'll be set for the year okay so once the once the heat drops and the, the burning sun is not so bad go ahead and knock those out of the way and i'm good mm-hmm. but you know what for right okay. now if they're there what you might want to do is you might want to just cut the ends of them off because they're there for a functional purpose but you don't want them to expand and grow so after they grow out four or five or six inches just cut the ends of them off with a pair of shears so that they don't continue to grow Perfect. And then they then they pro- right. then they provide the uh, protection for the tree, but they don't waste all the energy growing these big shoots off the site. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks again. Bye bye. Uh, let's see, Terry in Desert Hills. Good morning, Terry. Well, good morning, sir. Um, I've, I've got unfortunately got the uh, mistletoe infection going through all my uh, trees. Mm-hmm. Is there a you know? So I don't want to cut down the trees and take off some of the branches, but. Can I just like lop off a bunch of the growth and put something on there? Absolutely. Well, you can, you can just cut it off as long as you cut it off into the wood where the basically you know mistletoes planted by birds that go around that spread seeds. You know the the little oh, know. little berries that are toxic to us. The birds like, and then they dump them off in another tree. And uh, in areas where it's prevalent, the birds spread a lot of it. And what's really interesting about mistletoes, it's it's you know variety specific so there's a different mistletoe that grows in mesquites than palo verdes and a lot of different ones but you know you really have to prune it out to remove it and that's the only way you're going to remove it it's you know usually not lethal to the trees and if you like birds a lot you can let it grow there and just make your tree look ugly and feed the birds but on the, on the other hand terry you can just prune it all out but you have to prune it back to where it roots into the tree wood yeah because it's you know i've been out here 25 plus years and you know the stuff that's kind of spread and i know the birds were doing it mm-hmm. but uh because there are so many quail and everything out here just overrun. You know, and I don't know if the okay, quail get up and feed on it. I have really never watched them. I imagine they would, though. No, probably not the quail. Probably the dove. Well, I, too. I, I think it's a lot of the smaller birds that, uh, you know, here in the desert that like to, you know, they're going to feed on that kind of stuff more than, you know, pretty much quail and, and, and dove are ground feeders. You know, they're going to feed mostly on the desert seed, the wild mustard and all those kind of things, you know, and they're, right. feeding on the, or they're grazing on the ground. But there's a lot of other bird species that live here that, uh, you know, feed up. Okay, so. More. So on my saws and stuff, is there a disinfectant I should spray on the saws after I get in there on this mistletoe so it doesn't spread it? You know, if you want to be cautious, and it's it's typically not a bad idea, is what you would do is just use bleach. Bleach. Mm -hmm. Nice and simple. Yeah. Bleach is real easy. Just get a five-gallon bucket, mix up some bleach water and a rag, and just wipe it off. Yeah. Like a spray bottle, whatever. Okay. Whatever. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Oh, when you're smiling. When you're smiling. The Smiles with you, baby, baby. 
when you laughing ba 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 bo do when you laughing yes sun come shining through We should get into more of the musical part because my grandfather, Les Whitfield, he uh, he wasn't the singer, but he, he was definitely a hot horn player and had a band when he was young. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Industry Garden Show. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfield's. Yes, it started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continues on today for four generations. We grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. From 15 gallons to big 72-inch box, from desert trees like mesquite and Palo Verde and ironwoods to beautiful citrus, to palm trees by the thousands, Mexican fans, dates, mule palms, bismarckias, whatever your dream for that perfect landscape, come out and see us. You know, it's kind of hot out there. We'll do the digging and installation for you as well. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport, and Monday through through Saturdays, you can come to our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery for four generations and a lot of years growing trees here in the valley for Arizona's future. Uh, we'll get right back to the phones. It looks like next up we've got John and Mesa. Good morning, John. Hey, Brian, um, snapdragon vines, how hard are they to grow? Uh, snapdragon flowers or, you know, or vines? So A vine. I'm not sure what you're considering a snapdragon vine. Is it like a snail vine with purple flowers? Well, it has purple flowers, but it's not a snail vine. Okay. I was I saw it on the internet that well, that's kind of pretty, and it says zone nine. That's us. Well, no, uh, we're, we're we're zone really uh, more ten, but we could be nine. I mean, just and you know what? It's funny with a lot of plants because there's different parts of our zone that that you know create the problem for us. It could be the heat, could be the cold. You know, so zone nine tells you it's definitely going to take some frost, which would be good here. I don't know if yeah. it'll take the heat or not. Um, is it a is it a shrub though or a vine? It's a vine. Huh. At least that's what they said. It's a vine grows up a trellis. And I'm, I've only, they say you have to get a seed for it. I, I does thought, does, does, does it say what the botanical name is on it? Uh, you know what? I didn't write that down. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, John. Um, well, I'll take your phone number. We'll find that out, okay? And uh, hold on after after we get it through on the air. Yeah, I got one other question. Sure. What? Why Why is the, um, um, uh, now I can't think of it. It's a purple thing, and they ban it from Arizona. You can buy a seed for it, but you can't. And I, I guess they got morning, rid of it because mo- it, morning glory. Morning glory, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with that? Is it is that intrusive of a plant? Well, it is in cotton fields. 
Now, I was talking to one of my friends who was a former cotton grower yesterday, John down in Aztec, and, uh, you know, we don't grow much cotton here anymore. And uh, so, but it's still, as far as Arizona Department of Agriculture goes, it's still considered an invasive plant because of the cotton. You know, and that might be something that we might want to address with them because they are a beautiful landscape plant, and they're only really invasive in farm fields. And the main crop that they're invasive for and really cause a lot of problem, you know, is cotton. And uh, yeah. we, we don't grow as much cotton as we used to, and the chance of them escaping is nothing like it was 20 or 30 years ago. So, you know, it might be something that they'll take off the list, you know. The yeah. state really does, with the Department of Agriculture, they do everything to protect, you know, our environment here, whether it be on the residential level or the agricultural level, you know, and they're very good at it. The USDA is excellent as well, and they make a great team to help protect us against pests, and whether it be in a plant form or, you know, because there's a lot of plants that have gotten, you know, loose here that are no fun, and certainly yeah. insects that happen, but that, that's why. But uh, whether it's still warranted or not, you know, maybe not so much. Yeah, well, I was playing golf at Dobson Ranch, and I saw on this guy's house faces south, the backyard, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this plant, and it's, and every time I've played there for years, and it's always full with purple flowers. Yeah, morning glories can be and a beautiful plant. So I took a picture of it and came home and found it. Oh, morning glory. <laughs> And I'm thinking you can't find it anywhere. So well, that's why I thought I'd call you. There, there's reasons why. You know, we have a plant that grows up in the White Mountains called bindweed, you know, which is the same type of a plant. comes up with a big tuberous root and really spreads like crazy. And uh, so morning glories, you know, whether they'll be approved in the future is, you know, yet to be determined. That one you're seeing across the fence was probably, you know, got here by accident somehow or something. But yeah, it's, And it's probably 30 years old. To yeah. Be with you. And, and they're really not the issue today that they were before. Yeah, okay. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got Charles in Scottsdale. Morning, Charles. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Hey, I have a question. I I live in one of the planned communities in uh, Scottsdale. They have a good housing back features. But I got a poem close to a painting wall. And I'm afraid that the roots of it are are beginning to undermine the wall. Uh, just trying to do my <laughs> Charlie, thing. you got a, you got a happy friend there with you. Wants your attention. <laughs> yes, yeah. He he likes it. Anytime I'm on the phone, he likes to chip in and say hello. <laughs> he to wants to talk to. Him. to. Yes. How far away from uh, the How far away from the wall is it, uh, Charles? Uh, probably two feet. Okay. Do you know what type of a palm it is? It's a big fat palm tree. Okay. So it's probably either a California fan, our only native one, or it could be a pineapple palm. Does it have a leaf like a feather or like a fan? Like a long stem uh, with a like fan a on fan. the end? More like a fan. Okay, so it's probably a California fan palm. And here's the deal. If you can keep the water away from it, it only needs to be watered two, three times a year. And if if, it, if in your landscape you can keep the water away from it, it'll never be a problem. Um, you know, it won't and get I so big. Because it's on... And I can't do that because it's on a metered system by the community, and they don't let us mess with the water meter. Okay. Then, in reality, two feet's pretty close, you know. And it could be a problem. It's not definitely a problem. And it's going to depend on how the water gets applied and how the soil drains. There's going to be some other variables in there. But uh, is it lawn around it, or is it rock? It's, it's lawn around it, and it is in not a depression, but it's in a low spot where the water tends to 
to gather. What I'm wondering is, is there what kind of an expert would you recommend I contact or hire to come out and offer an opinion so I can get that forwarded to my homeowners association? Well, I'll tell you what, Charles. Just, just, just send a picture into our website, and I'll give you the best advice I can. Just send it to Whitfield Nursery website, okay? And I could probably tell you a lot more about it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Thank so you so much. Sir. I'll do that. All right. Bye-bye. Love your show. Thank you. Well, the music's starting, and that means it's time to hear from Patricia Valencia with the news. We'll be right back after the news. While we're gone, give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR.